da, da, da. Slava Ukraine. Ooh. I don't know what it Shut means, up. but everyone's saying it. It's the latest thing. Yeah, that's what you should say. Yeah, I was down the shop the other day, and this woman with the blue and yellow flag just started shouting at my face. Like, protect the elderly? Yeah, it was something like, it was the slogan of, uh, it, it reminds me of COVID, the yeah. early days. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, oversimplified. Emo- sound bites. Em- emotionally yeah. loaded sound bite for people to get behind. Um, obviously, we're talking again about, you know, Russia and Ukraine and everything connected to it because, uh, well, I mean, there are a few other things going on, but um, not really. It's pretty much dominating all of the news. Uh, with the exception of America always is always a little bit kind of like detached from from these things, you know, relatively. Okay, so they're, they're across the Atlantic, so it's maybe not quite as pressing and stuff, and they've got their own issues going on. But the media even there is like, you look at CNN, and it dominates CNN headlines and stuff. Obviously, Americans themselves have other things to concern them and stuff but uh, you know nationally like the political situation nationally and uh, but it's you know it's linked obviously mm. I mean, any, anybody who's you know if they're focused on the Biden administration and, and, uh, and American domestic politics then uh, it's linked even though if they, even though they may not Americans may not know it it's definitely linked to the whole situation in Ukraine you know so it is it is front and center in that sense, and does extend out to pretty much a lot of other things going on in the world and why other things are happening. You know, there's definite links to, between them all. So, although people may not people may not know it, um, so yeah, the um, one thing that's been uh, getting my goat is that a term? Getting my goat? Uh, it's been annoying me. Uh, although I'm well used to it, is media disinformation. Um, And tied to that, how easily so many people are manipulated and effectively mind-programmed in a certain sense where where what the media says becomes their opinion and their Mm. belief. Now, that's not a new thing. That's been around for a very long time, but I'm just a bit disappointed, although I shouldn't have no... No right to well, be right. I'm uh, dis- disappointed that people haven't come along, haven't grown up. Uh, people of, of this generation, people who are who are born, you know, between you know seventy years ago and and, and twenty years ago, uh, or but particularly those who are born, you know, longer ago than twenty years, um, who are that bit older, haven't understood that as part of their life experience. Haven't understood at this point, having seen it over and over again, haven't understood that they are manipulated and lied to by authorities. They haven't even, most of them, it seems, a lot of them haven't even cracked that door a little bit. There isn't even a little chink of that understanding, Uh, which is, it's just, I don't know, I don't don't get it. Like, I don't don't understand it. Maybe I'm coming from a very biased, subjective experience here of my own own view of things, but it's objectively true at the same time. You know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. lots and lots of hard evidence the media does twist and distort. And it is something, obviously, that has... That has, um, you know, um, that has become more, much more uh, clear and much more apparent in over the years, especially in the last 20, 30 years or whatever, more and more people have accepted that the media does lie and distort compared to, let's say, 40 or 50 years ago. But um, still not enough of them and still far too many people are susceptible to media and government lies and manipulation and programming. 
Mm. And where they can see it in one area, where they show evidence that they've seen it in one area, they just fall fall apart with with something else. Something else is a is a you know a hot topic for them or an emotional button for them, and they lose all ability to discern that manipulation and, mm. and, and, and those lies. You know, you're, you're, you're talking here to your, your uh, to other Westerners, fellow West, yeah, for Westerners, sure, yeah, for sure. So that's the, the roughly speaking, that's the English speakers. The, the wealthiest billion. Right, at the, the top, golden billion. The, the golden billion at the top of the The international pile. community. So they're still in good times. There are a number of them on the fringes. Who knows how many they, they uh, have been able to attract as a, to, put, to, to, as you say, put a chink in, the, in their worldview yeah. uh, with them. As, as, but apart from the small minority, most people are still in good times. So they don't have any reason don't to need challenge. To, right, don't need to disbelieve. They, they work. They get paid. The money goes out for the bills, and there's enough rem- in remain f- to survive and actually, you know, do well to go to on holidays. Distract themselves. Distract themselves. They, there's no real challenge to their. Um, yeah. They're not suffering enough. Right. That's, you're saying that's what I, suffering is what brings on that uh, skepticism uh, or opens your eyes to. What's actually going on? Which, yeah, because it's very personal when you when you suffer, and if you have no obvious reason or no, nothing obvious to blame the suffering on, then it goes uh, up the chain, right? If it's kind of widespread suffering and you can't like blame yourself, it's, it seems to be imposed on you. Then yeah. it goes up the chain to government, and suddenly you become more aware and start to question more and see more. So suffering opens people's eyes essentially to reality. Yeah, and if you haven't suffered very much, then your eyes are relatively shut yeah what happens instead is the thinking sort of happens more subconsciously so it goes something like if i'm doing well enough why rock the boat right with the powers that be above me in yeah. my immediate vicinity in the western realm yeah um so it's a it's, it's a trade-off the risk do mm. i take the risk mm. of losing what i have yeah in order to challenge right my worldview, myself, right. and thereby challenge master, in yeah. quotes. So people who are fairly well healed, basically, in Western countries, have nothing to really, uh, nothing personal to, to, they're not suffering personally in any, to, to any great extent, so um, they're, they're available then to, to emote or to empathize with in situations like Ukraine, yeah. When, yeah. They're, when they're told to, yeah. because they have all that extra emotional capital, let's say, that's financed, if you want to put it that way, by their financial capital or that is facilitated by their financial capital. Uh, and and they, they want to expand it, right? They, they c- it can be easily leveraged by governments to, to pour it out, right? Because otherwise, if they were suffering in, in, in ways personally themselves, even if it wasn't with war or something like that, but if they were on hard times, they'd have much less time to uh, devote all their empathy, so-called empathy, to to people in Ukraine yeah, because they'd be exercising real empathy, trying to build uh, their, their own family, local community, mutual support, right, or even just because your survival day to day depends on it, right, or even just worrying about their own families or their own own, own, you know, own household, even their own yeah. household, yeah, uh, which is it's kind of interesting because I get the impression, obviously, I have no data to support this, but I get the impression that it was kind of like less well-off people who were more skeptical about the whole kind of COVID stuff, maybe, you know. That, 100%, that, yeah. That, that uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting kind of. Uh, 100%. Polls show that in terms of, dynamic, in yeah. terms of vaccine uptake, in terms of um, dissenting views 
about the lockdowns before mm. even the vaccines were rolled out. It was working classes. Mm. Um, working slash what's called more popular classes these days. So that would be, I suppose, classically, that's middle class that's fallen on harder times. Right. So they, they take a real check. They're no, no longer going on holidays. They're no longer going abroad. Mm. They wonder why. And their son and daughter are now living under their own house and their own roof. And they're like, well, something's not going right to plan mm. here. Mm. I worked all my life to save, to get them to college. And now they're, they, mm-hmm. it's in their face. They can't just wish it away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's become an issue front and center. And so it, it, you'll always get that. The descent will grow from, from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, so, so yeah, we talked about that's We got off on that start, start talking about the media lies and manipulation and stuff. And what I talked about, what I mean specifically about that is obviously in, as it relates to Ukraine and just the deluge of highly, highly subjective, almost willful, almost conscious disinformation. I start to wonder if a lot of the Western press aren't actually doing it consciously and they justify it by, well, this is, you know, it's probably not true. But we'll put it out there anyway because it supports the war effort, and we have the. It's a, we're in the moral right, so uh, we have the moral high ground. Therefore, i.e., this is a bad war. So anything that um, an evil, an evil, a war by an evil aggressor in Russia, and therefore anything we can do to you know fight that information war, uh, the, the information part of that war, uh, even if it's disinformation, is a moral good. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, I was talking about that with somebody earlier on that uh, I wonder how much they know, how much, the extent to which they believe their own lies or whether they actually uh, uh, know that they're, you know, probably not true, but we'll put it out there anyway. We'll give you a couple of examples, actually. Just throw up those two Times, or, time, Times articles, Scotty, uh, from the venerable uh, Sunday Sunday Times today, obviously. I think it might have been yesterday, but anyway, it's the UK Times. Um Ukrainians killed a Russian general who said war would take hours. Now, you know, you see the headline, and most people read the headlines, and that's all you get. Uh, but you uh, you go go down a little bit. Um, um, so, supposedly, this guy... Well, there's a couple of dodgy things here. A Russian commander who boasted that the war in Ukraine would be over within hours. Now, that's obviously bullshit. Obviously disinformation. Obviously not true. Uh there's no, I, I can find no reference to any Russian general ever saying that the war would be over within hours, which is a ridiculous contention. Who, mm. would, who would say that? I mean, you wouldn't be a general in any army if you looked at the situation uh, prior to the Russian uh, special military operation, as they're calling it, in Ukraine, and said, yeah, let's be done in a couple hours, and then you tell all your troops that. Mm. I mean, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Simply did not happen by any reasonable, rational assessment of the situation, but the venerable Sunday Times puts it out there as if it's a fact. Um, and then it claims that he was killed in Ukrainian strike on an airfield near, near Kherson. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He was the blah. And then um, on the fourth day of the invasion, uh, under the picture, the General 48 told Russian soldiers and their campaign to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine would achieve victory in a matter of hours. Accord, here's the important part. According to intercepted communications yeah, yeah, yeah. released by the yeah. Ukrainian military. Yeah. Now, uh, how, how, how little skepticism, how little understanding of the fog of war and how this works do you have to have to, to believe that that would be true uh, that, that, or that to, 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 not, to not suspect that that's part of a disinformation campaign that is 
a big part of any conflict, and to not put it as your article as though it's true. Um, so this is intercepted communications released by the Ukrainian military. This is the same Ukrainian military department of disinformation or whatever that said that, you know, the, the Snake Island uh, yeah. soldiers, you know, who said, fuck yourself, Russian, Russian warship, yeah. and then were all killed, weren't actually killed, and probably never said that, fuck yourself, Russian warship. So entirely false. And it was based on, quote-unquote, intercepted Ukrainian communications. Right, Russian. again. Yeah. And this is also the Ukrainian military or whatever, you know, disinformation command, whether it's military or political or both, who have been putting out videos that are obvious video games, footage from video games, and claiming them on Twitter, like the official Twitter account of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense put out a video of a video game saying that it was Ukrainian helicopters uh, being, sh- or sorry, Russian helicopters being shot down. And it was obviously a video game. And that's the f- not the first time they've done it. And they don't care. Yeah. Uh, and again, here's one that you were just talking about a while ago. The other, the other times one, um, Scotty, um, outnumbered. Why are so many Russian troops being killed in Ukraine? With daily losses dwarfing those of the US and Vietnam and confidence draining away, Putin's army is in the back foot. That's, that's all you need to know, right? The, the, the Ukrainians are winning. Look, look at all those bodies. Yeah, yeah. In that graphic. Yeah. Tank. Well, that, that single tank actually did all those. That's, that's the ghost tank of, of Mariupol. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the ghost tank. Uh, the ghost of Kiev. According to President Zelensky, the Russians even brought a cremation chamber with them. Yeah. That was repeated in the opening day. What kind of bullshit is this like? I mean, but this is supposed... I mean, the, the media just... I don't know. I mean, the pro- I was going to say they're completely discredited, but they're not because a lot of people would look to the Times and think, well, this is objective reporting. This is, this is absolutely true, you know. Uh, this is a great venerable institution of the, of, of the British uh, media. And they'll buy it. And you see them repeating it on Twitter. And there's so many people out there who really, really want it to be, to be yeah. true that Ukraine is winning... Uh, but it's, but but it's it's not it's not like winning losing good guys bad guys it's this oversimplified bullshit analysis of the situation that just bakes my noodle like you know um, yeah well they, on the dead generals they, they they claim now is that seven Russian generals have been killed and there are a whole art uh, dozens and dozens of articles about you know about how this is the case why is the case you know. Um, all treating it as fact, but every, in every single case, except for one, the Russians have acknowledged the death of one general. Mm. I forget his name, but uh, in every other case, it's the same story. It's intercepted Ukrainian intercepts of Russian military communications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, from day one with <laughs> the Snake Island incident, that's what it was based on. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so not it's going sh- to be an information war from day one. Yeah. Because that's really all Ukraine has to fight back with in terms of actually winning or, or, or stopping the Russian advance. They, they, they can't and they know they can't and they've relied on – well, it's part of a, it's part of a strategy obviously to, to get yeah. disinformation out there, all sorts of negative press about Russia and all sorts of negative press or, or disinformation about why Russia is doing what it's doing. Uh, into very simplified terms, and then also 
you have to follow that up with Russia is uh, being defeated and stuff. And yes, your help from NATO countries is working, therefore sent more, sent more, sent more, right? Yeah. It's obviously, it's a pretty simple and obvious strategy that they're using. Uh, but so many people, I don't know, it's like a movie for a lot of people. They just want the good guys to win. They're, they're good guys to win. And they don't care about what's actually happening. Whereas we actually care what's actually happening. And a few other people do. But most people, meh. Just tell me what I want to hear. Uh, yeah. Do you have those numbers? Oh, the 15,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, it's one of the links I gave you, Washington Post. So a month in, the headline on Washington Post yesterday, Russia could have lost, could have lost. Oh, there's an equivocation. Could have lost as many as 15,000 troops in Ukraine war, comma, NATO official estimates. So you can see the Washington Post uh, is sort of handling this story off a bit. We're keeping an arm's length. To something called claim. NATO. Um, if you scroll down then, uh, opening paragraph, roughly, okay, now we're going back. <laughs> roughly 7,000, not 50, mm. okay, roughly 7,000 to 15,000 Russian troops have been killed in a month of fighting. A senior NATO military official claims the official who spoke on condition of blah, blah, that that's, they, they always include that paragraph. In fairness, that is somewhat honest and it's almost code or euphemism these days for this is bullshit. So we're keeping an arm's length from it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He spoke to us on condition of anonymity. Well, if you scroll down further, yeah, well, look what it said there said the estimate was based on several factors, including information from Ukrainian officials. Right. Yeah. What the Russian side has released in open sources, which we'll see in a minute how that doesn't... Really They're completely different. ...doesn't, doesn't stack yeah. up. Uh, so and this is so what they all are doing. They're, they're all immediately going to, like your previous article did at the time, yeah. refer to the Vietnam. Well, this referred to the 20... For comparison, the entire 20-year U.S. war in Afghanistan resulted in 2,461 American fatalities, according to Pentagon figures. Right. And another comparison, Russia lost about 15,000 troops in Afghanistan in the 1980s. So then you scroll down. To go down to on March 8th. Here, on March 8th, Lieutenant, a named source, Lieutenant General Scott D. Berrier, Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, told House lawmakers that the best estimate is 2,000 to 4,000 Russian fatalities. He noted, however, that he himself had low confidence in the figure. Mm -hmm. So that's an actual American military estimate. But the WAPO gets to have the headline that it knows is bullshit, yeah. but it's 15,000. So it went from the WAPO to NATO to Ukrainian sources. Uh, and then to, which are dubious, and then to other sources from the US that put the figure down at 2,000 2, to 4,000, yeah. but that's low, low, low confidence. I'm not sure about could, this Could be less. And why is he not sure about the figure? Do you know why? Because at the outset of this thing, they warned, Pentagon officials warned, that we have very little intelligence on the ground mm -hmm. in Ukraine. We are relying on Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah, for intelligence. Of course, Ukraine is going to have a completely skewed um, reporting on everything. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that from day one. Um, it's a related sort of... Okay, so that's the numbers. 
seven generals. Well, one, but whatever. Probably seven. 15,000 troops. Um, Sh- Sergei Shoigu, the head of the Russian military, wasn't... Um, he's dead. He wasn't seen for he, two, he's dead. He wasn't seen in the Western press dead. for two weeks. So they speculated he was dead, fired, or gulagged. <laughs> um, such, then he showed up on uh, Thursday and then Friday again for two meetings I'm just going to send this to Scotty to head a meeting of the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Washington Post still ran with this piece yesterday Hmm. Retrospectively, headline, where was Sergei Shoigu? Right. <laughs> Russia's okay. missing defense minister resurfaces. How dare he resurface? <laughs> He's dead. We said he was dead, so he, couldn't, he can't resurface. Well, it, <laughs> they, they still think the fact that he was, they assume, missing, in quotes, is interesting. It can tell us a yeah, lot yeah. about oh, how yeah. badly yeah. the war is going yeah. for Russia. Yeah, yeah. So scroll down. Um, for 12 days... Shoigu appeared to vanish from public life. He was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Some suggested without evidence that he had resigned, while others were sure that he was sick, dead or detained. Yeah, people on Twitter were sure he was sick. Ukrainian, Ukrainian uh, neo-Nazis on, on Twitter were sure he was sick, dead or detained. Global speculation swirled. Where was Sergei Shoigu? Then on Saturday... The Russian Defense Ministry posted an official video showing him leading a mil- uh, meeting. Okay, scroll down. It was his first appearance since March 11th. Except for a quick glimpse of him on TV. And then the article proceeds to give a bio on Sergei Shoigu. Okay, fair enough, right? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's always been described as a close ally and friend of Putin. Mm-hmm. They scroll on down. They go on holidays together in the Siberian mountains. That's very interesting. Okay. Now, what are the facts we can <laughs> glean from our assumptions? What do we know what about What can we make of this? <laughs> okay, so scroll down a bit. But then the minister disappeared. You see, this is a fact in their heads. Yeah, so they'll build the whole story yeah. around this. Yeah. Two independent Russian media outlets cited sources close to Shoigu as saying he suffered heart problems. The Kremlin denied the reports that Shoigu was ill and instead suggested he was too busy leading military operations to make it. No. No, that that's can't stupid. Be it. <laughs> like he's a minister of. No, that's, that, don't be silly. No, he was in the gulag or he was dead or he was ill or he was. Oh. Last paragraph that we can see here. Memes about Shoigu's health flooded the internet. Yeah. See, that's evidence for the WAPO. Right. There you go. Yeah. Um, on Friday, Ukrainian President Zelensky mocked Shoigu's absence, boasting that Ukraine had dealt powerful blows to Russia's military. So much bullshit. I mean, oh, So there's a feedback. Zelensky probably picked up yeah. on Western media talking about, and then he went, well, yeah, let's just, let's just cash in on that. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then the WAPO can go and cite Zelensky's excitement as a Ukrainian source for why it's significant that Shoigu was missing, we assume, for two weeks. It's, can you imagine, like, that, that, that's, that's the American newspaper of, of repute. That's their version of the Times. Yep. That's their war reporting. Yep. 
and it, obviously it's 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 more useless than you know entertainment reporting yeah. in, in 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 the the weekly news and stuff like that it's it you really will get more factual basis of history and current events from weekly world news yeah these days yeah yeah from the so-called newspapers of read. yeah um and meanwhile meanwhile the the western media is awash with uh has been for a couple of weeks now or more Washed with all these stories about how Russia is having setback after setback, how it's not going to plan, how they, their plan to take it to take Kiev in 36 hours or in three hours or uh, in five minutes, they would be in Kiev in five minutes, is not going to plan and blah, blah, blah. So they make up all this stuff. And meanwhile, Russia continues, obviously, with the plan that it had from the very outset, ignores all that bullshit and just carries on. Yeah. While the media, Western media, has great fun making shit up across the board and pushing it on, 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 you know, a billion, a golden billion people, uh, things on the ground just continue on as they were planned, it seems. Obviously, there's going to be, you know, adjustments in the plan, and you're going to find out as you go along, but it seems to be progressing in plan. If you throw up the uh, map I sent you, Scotty, uh, the JPEG, um, so this is from, you know, this is one of the maps, you, you know, that have been made available this, as of yesterday. Um, pretty much... An expansion of what what you've seen previously. Uh, well, not much. It's more or less the same. Yeah. Well, expansion in yeah, the sense in, of inland, uh, yeah. inland. You know. Um, obviously, the goal, since this is what Russia is doing, this is what Russia planned, and the goal was to secure, um, liberate, if you like, Donetsk and Luhansk, with a view to um, ultimately, possibly, possibly incorporating them into the Russian Federation, which. If you remember back on the day that, or the day before that this uh, operation was launched on the 24th of February, um, there was a meeting with Putin and several of the, the inner circle type thing, and one of them was the head of the Russian intelligence, and he made a bit of a mistake or was seen as a mistake, or he spoke out of turn at the time, mm. uh, and Putin kind of corrected him, where he said that, yes, I think we should uh, accept their uh, incorporation into the Russian Federation. And Putin was like, well, hang on a minute, that's not what we're talking about right right now, right? But uh, the um, Luhansk People's Republic, the, the prime minister of that, has said that soon they will hold a referendum, uh, on incorporation, on, on voting to become part of the Russian Federation. Uh, so he spoke out of turn, but he spoke. That's why maybe Putin was a bit kind of like annoyed. Listen, you're getting ahead of yourself. We don't know why. Let, let's wait and see. But that's obviously that's a plan. What we're discussing here, yeah. yeah. but it's not what we're discussing right now. We're discussing the actual uh, operation. So uh, obviously the plan was Donetsk has to be um, secured, uh, Crimea to be secured. And we don't know... Really, but if you look at the map there again, it looks like Kiev is an objective. But the first, and this is the Russians have said this recently, that the first stage of the operation that was planned from the very beginning and planned months ago, maybe years ago, uh, has more or less been achieved. Yeah. Which is that, which is securing of Donetsk and Luhansk and creating a land bridge from Crimea up to those areas, i.e. which inclu includes the taking of um, the, the, the cities along the bottom, Melitopol and uh, Mariupol. Um, well, if I can just say the specific statement they issued on Thursday, that's uh, March 25th, is that the first stage of the Russian operation in Ukraine is, and they said more or less complete mm -hmm. because, yeah, there's never an exact thing, right? right? And that that was phase one, stage one, whatever, the combat potential of the Ukrainian military has been significantly reduced. Mm -hmm. So 
if you think about that specific and yet open, it's specific. It's, it's like when they said demilitarization of Ukraine, now we well, that's what they meant. They were going to actually target the military. It's also open in that that's why in the map, it's all over Ukraine. They've, they've been targeting everything all the way up to the Polish border, well, the Belarus steps. border. Just throw the map back up again. Yeah. This confused Westerners when CNN told them on day one, week one, oh, holy moly, the Russians are bombing everywhere, sites all over Ukraine. And then they immediately leapt into, well, ergo, their plan, Putin is planning to incorporate the entire territory take all, of Ukraine. And they're going to take it all in three hours, right? Or in they three had, days. They had to assume that because they couldn't ever take what he stated the goal was to reduce the combat right. potential of the Ukrainian military. Right. So all those little spots on the map right across Ukraine there are, are strikes in different areas that were military installations or military-related installations. And then that was that, that part of demilitarization. And then the, the, the other agenda that was simultaneous with that, which was, because obviously that's just you know, missiles and, and airstrikes, whatever, but then the actual uh, mil- the infantry involvement was... To secure, like I said, Donetsk, Luhansk, and Crimea, yeah. and, and creating that land bridge from Crimea up to those areas, um, and that's that's what's going on. And I mean, we should also remember that we said it maybe on last week's show, or the week before, that when the sanctions were imposed on such as they are on Russia, uh, Putin, you know, got together the. I don't know who he was speaking to, but he basically announced to, to, to the Russian government, to the Russian people, he said, listen, okay, we need to restructure our, our situation. We need to put in place the measures we have planned to put in place in response to these sanctions. And we need to uh, budget for them continuing until at least 2023. Yeah. So the rest of this year. So, part, so far from, again, it's almost turned on its head, far from the lightning taking of Kiev and it will be over in a few days or a few hours or whatever, whatever the Western media keeps bullshitting about, it seems that the plan, that this, this operation was meticulously planned and was planned to be long term, i.e. into next year, into 2023. Uh, that's, I'm inferring that from his, his comment on the sanctions, i.e. there would be no sanctions lifted because one of the, the, the criteria that the Liz Truss the the British uh, what is she foreign minister yeah uh, has said and which is obviously you know shared uh, an idea or shared by by the rest of them in the in the in Anglo America in NATO um, is that if Russia withdraws its troops they can they'll remove sanctions and Russia is saying no thanks we'll keep the sanctions and we'll keep our troops and we'll follow our plan and our plan so. When he says sanctions, well, we need to deal with the sanctions until 2023, he's basically saying this situation in Ukraine is probably going to extend on into 2023 until it's completely dealt with. Yeah. So far from a few hours, a few days, we're talking 10, 11 months. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I know why. <clears throat> it's, it's one thing that he might have a long-term plan that whereby Putin is using this crisis to change things economically on a broader mm-hmm. regional or even global scale. Maybe there is a grand plan, a grand strategy. But I think more specifically, he uh, there are statements coming out of like Atlantic Council think tank, the Pentagon itself, um, White House sources and so on, where they've made it clear, and the British government too, that even if the Russian troops leave tomorrow, they will continue to flood Ukraine with weapons. Mm-hmm. So 
let's 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 say we hold them to their word, like they hold themselves. They will lift the sanctions if Russian troops leave tomorrow. The weapons will still flood in. Mm-hmm. That's why Putin's like, well, okay, we'll formally end our full-scale total economic war against each other, but the the problem's still there. Uh, the problem I've just spent enormous amount, like uh, thirteen hundred Russian dead uh, dead Russian soldiers plus God knows how much in, in money. Um, I've just I can't I can't see this through halfway. Mm-hmm. Of course not. If no. you're saying you're going to keep going, well, I'm going to keep going until you have no no one to accept the weapons. No one wants them from you. That kind of thing, you know. Well, they can flood a rump state of Ukraine with all the weapons they want. Uh, if you could put, put them up back up, and uh, my I don't know. It could be the whole country, but maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm thinking, like, just basically west of Kiev. I still think based on the 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 movement of troops, because, you know, forget about the, the airstrikes that can happen anywhere, but the actual movement of troops, the fact that uh, they came down from Belarus and, and kind of took the, 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 the west of, you know, or moving down to cut off the west of Kiev and coming in from the east as well there, and obviously the south from the south upwards is pretty much free territory. Uh, I think the plan, at the very least, is that the country will be, be partitioned down down the middle, but west of Kiev, and Kiev will be taken as well, and you'll have this little rump state on the left-hand side there, which uh, will be donated to NATO. <laughs> and then they can flood it as much as they want with uh, all the man pads or whatever, and they can shoot them at each other. They think? Yeah. Okay. Um, at the very least, yeah. Maybe. Uh, uh, the, the, put it this way, at the very, very least... If Kiev isn't taken, which based, based on, the, on the troop movements, I think Kiev will be taken, but it'll be hard, but it will be taken. Uh, but uh, I think they'll take a slower approach to Kiev. But um, absolutely everything east of Kiev, immediately east of Kiev, will, is definitely more or less going to be uh, either, I don't know if it'll be a part of Russia, but it'll definitely be, may as well be a part of Russia in the sense it'll be an extremely friendly uh, novo Nova Ukraina. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, but that that given his track record, Putin would would require a majority referendum in support of that. He yeah. would he would want a legal foundation. What you'll get? You, you'll get from most Ukrainians in Kiev to join Russia or to no longer be Ukraine. To no, well, they can still call it Ukraine. Okay, uh, right Ukraine, East Ukraine, West Ukraine. North and South Korea, there's a precedent for it. Um, you know, obviously that's just one example. Um, but yeah, it's definitely this is like this isn't half measures. Like this is like the whole point of this was that what the West was doing <coughs> over many years now in Ukraine was to specifically designed to pose a direct threat to Russia, to the existence of Russia as it is today, yeah. and to the Russian r- Russian pathway and the Russian kind of. Uh, uh, the Russian presence as it is today in the world as it has been. There was a definite plan to destroy that. Uh, so, And it comes from Ukraine. And Ukraine has been whipped up for years and years and yeah, years uh, in order to be a direct threat to Russia. So Russia can't just go I, in and say, okay, no, no, we'll I, give I you a bit da- of a smacking, now we're leaving. You know? No, I don't doubt that they'll be very thorough in whatever exactly demilitarization and denazification means for them. I'm just skeptical that he's... He's been so cautious about territories um, and seceding and acceding, not just as concerns Russia, but in other cases as well, obviously with Kosovo 
the well, Russian statement on Spain and Barcelona. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's not on your border, like, and that's not uh, dealing with people well, who are uh, well, many South Ossetia and Abkhazia are, and he, you know they haven't said right, you're incorporated. You know, no, they recognize their independence, but they're the only country that does so. Right. Exactly. I suppose what I'm saying is, I don't doubt that they're going to be. He said this week that uh, he clarified in, uh, I think, uh, another televised speech on Wednesday or Thursday. He said, um, we couldn't just go into the Donbass because all it would end up doing is create a new line of contact with people armed to the teeth right next to Donbass. So we decided to do it two phase, demilitarized all or as much as possible of the military capability of Ukraine as a whole and then separately ensure the protection, maybe indeed the integration completely into Russia. Maybe integration, or, but what I said, like I said, they're going to be integration or it'll be a, a country that will, in, in, to all intents and purposes, be fully aligned with Russia, which is not much different than, you know, it's, it, it, it is different economically and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is Ukraine cannot ever again Pose this threat no. that it has posed, and whatever way that needs to happen, and obviously the only way that can really happen is if Ukraine, at the very least, becomes uh, a protectorate, uh, yeah. one way or other, of, 100%. of, of Russia. That, that is implied in demilitarization, mm-hmm. because if you leave a country with no military, somebody yeah. has to be right. their eyes sure and ears yeah. and their protector of right. the skies, and that's right. obviously going to be Russia, because right. it was setting up to be NATO, yeah. and Moscow's like, no, we'll yeah. do it, thank you. But uh, I'm just, I'm, I suppose I'm quibbling, but the full legal, actual breaking up into piecemeal, like even uh, any more than has been done, I think it's more likely to be uh, um, Ukraine, what's left of it, minus Donbass, but indeed a very friendly. Donbass, yeah, yeah. A very friendly Kiev capital Ukraine. Right. That's well, it's going to take a while to make sure that sticks, so you're going yeah. to have to have a presence in the place for quite a long time. The bottom line is Ukraine is 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 no more as it was before, and it only has itself to blame in the sense that political leadership have themselves to blame for picking the wrong side, you know? Uh, and, yeah, that it, we should maybe address that issue of, uh, of people saying, well, Ukraine's an independent country, and it has every right to protect itself or defend itself against against the invasion of, of, uh, of an aggressor, right? Uh, yes, in theory, in, in, in kind of little childish worldview theory, yeah, everybody's like, I, I'm, I'm the boss of myself and I can do whatever I want, but not really uh, in, in the way the world actually works. That's not how the world works. Our land is set up all over the place. And um, Ukraine... It has a false premise. Ukraine isn't an independent country. It's not an independent country because it's fully aligned. It chose to be fully aligned with the West. Not only that, but it, it chose to allow itself to be used as a staging place, a staging area for attacks against Russia and threatening Russia's integrity and its, you know, its existence. To, to like I said, as it as it exists uh, today, um, and when you do that, you clearly, um, you know. Uh, you're not playing by the international rules that are set. You, you, you're, you're trying to yeah. set special rules for yourself that simply don't apply. It, it doesn't. It doesn't work in the real world. Yeah, you know you, what I mean? You have for, forfeited the, the principles you claim to uphold, right? And you're subject to sanction under international law, even if there is no international lawyer and, and the one who's correcting you has a personal interest mm-hmm. in making sure you behave properly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, people who say that are just idiots. I don't even know why I'm addressing it because it's it's a stupid idea anyway. Like as as uh, as people have made you know comparisons, like if if Canada or Mexico decided that they wanted to you know uh, be friends with one of America's enemies, America wouldn't allow it to happen. Yeah, right, there would be a regime change. Yeah, so uh, that's the way the world works. So I mean, this silly, idiotic, you know, appeal to independence and every country has the right to independence. It's like a childish view of the world that's pushed down people's throats. When I, it, I suppose the golden billion in the West, in their childish version of it, what they assume is that if we just gotten, if we, if Master had just gotten Ukraine incorporated enough, whatever threshold, the magic threshold is, indeed, it would be a vassal. But we wouldn't call it that. It would be another liberal democracy and therefore one of us. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we're cooperating. We'll protect it. Yeah, but that's another, uh, another comparison. And that is Ukraine's free choice. But that's another that comparison. That Ukraine just wants to join the EU, right? It just wants mm-hmm. to be another country in the EU. So like Poland's a uh, country in the EU. Um, there are other countries that are on Russia's border, uh, the, the Baltics, Estonia, uh, 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 Latvia, um, Lithuania, not that it's very big. But anyway, they're on Russia's border. They're members of the EU. What's the problem? Uh, just being on Russia's border doesn't mean that you're a threat to Russia. So obviously there's something different about Ukraine. And yeah, there is something different about Ukraine. And anybody who cares to actually look into it um, would would see very quickly that Ukraine was not just like any other EU, potentially EU nation on Russia's border. It was a country that was being used that was... You know, virulently anti was a, a virulent anti-Russia uh, sentiment had be, has been encouraged was originally there in, in, in small quantity, but was encouraged um, over the past you know ten fifteen years by the US, um, facilitated by the US uh, as a as a means to attack Russia. Uh, so any country that you know sets itself up in that way to as an attack as an attacker as a, a potential threat to Russia is going to reap the yeah. reap the consequences you know uh, so it's bizarre that people don't don't see that i mean the russian negotiators um said that a number of times when they met kiev representatives over the last month the problem was that kiev couldn't give a yes or no because they had to go back to not kiev they had to go back and talk to the americans about what? About negotiations with Russia? About, yeah, what do we do next? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. th- there's no... Like, yeah. No, you keep going, basically. The idea is you keep going because, as, as, who has it said? Um, they're going to they're gonna drag it out. I think it was someone in America. Was it Biden? Uh, anyway, the, the point was made that they want to drag the conflict out in order to bleed Putin, I think. They said specifically, bleed Russia, bleed Putin, basically, to make it as difficult as possible and as long and drawn out as possible. Uh, and in the meantime, they'll maneuver and try and work something out. But they're trying to make this as difficult as possible. It's like whenever you see uh, someone, an adversary or someone you don't like who's in difficulty, instead of helping them, you make it worse for them. That's the attitude. Yeah. Did that come from Biden, Biden himself? Because I've seen up, that. Yeah. Um, I've seen that phrase a few times. Yeah, and it obviously uh, reminds me of Afghanistan of Brzezinski boasting that the purpose of creating radical jihadis, you know, a few stirred up Muslims, as he infamously described them, was basically to give America uh, to give Russia its Vietnam, yeah, i.e., to get bogged down and to bleed the Russian treasury to see as many Russian soldiers killed as possible. So that in, that's indeed part of 
the, the war propaganda we're seeing here is that whether or not the key people in NATO believe, actually believe the, that Russia is losing, that Ukraine can really win here, they will keep wishfully projecting this as the ideal because in their ideal, there's sufficient gain for them. The sufficient gain is this has to cost Russia as much as possible financially mm -hmm. and in human cost. But what it's worth, I'd mentioned it earlier, this week, finally, after two and a half weeks, so by just shy of a month, the Russian Ministry of Defense stated that they've had 1,351 Russian forces killed mm -hmm. and three times that figure injured. What's interesting is that they also gave an estimate because they can't know for sure, but they estimate that Kiev forces, Ukrainian forces, are 14,000 dead and another 16,000 injured. 14,000 is an interesting figure because that's basically what Kiev claims Russians have lost. Right. Just um, which, which we just saw repeated by NATO. Right, which, um, which is consistent with what they've been doing with videos and all that kind of stuff where they'll actually present videos of, you know, actual videos this time rather than video games, actual videos of, you know, uh, tanks being uh, destroyed or, or other, art other um, artillery or whatever being destroyed. And on many occasions, the Ukrainians have put it out that here's Ukrainian military destroying Russian tanks, and then you realize that, oh, it's the opposite. You know what I mean? So yeah. They just flip it around. They're just using... <laughs> it's I, it's, they may actually be that lazy... They're simply taking Russian statements and announcement and flipping them. Yeah. I don't think that, that most of the time they're so busy or whatever that they can't creatively or they don't. Yeah, they're not creative enough to actually just cut it out of whole cloth. They just they will flip it. Mm. And they know they have the backing of the West, which is actively censoring Russian views as much as possible, which isn't. Ironically, it isn't necessary. Most people just dismiss anything Russia says out of hand. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, well. Can I, let me put it to you, like, people listening to this, there was a lot of people out there who have been skeptical of things Western governments have said over COVID and things before that. Um, they kind of seem to be throwing their hands up and saying, well, it's all fog of war. I won't believe the Pentagon. I won't believe Kiev. But why should I believe the Russians either? I mean, if you're a noob to this, and it's like, okay, Russians claim, actually, we've had 1,350 soldiers killed. Mm -hmm. Kiev says Russians have lost 14,000, 15,000. Well, I, I don't know who to believe. It's well, all fake. I mean, well, you, you, can, you can be fairly sure whether or not the ratio is exact, but that, that that is an accurate enough reflection of how it's going because all you have to do is look at Russian military superiority to Ukrainian. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, if you've got if you've got a, a military that's five to ten times stronger than a, than another, then when they go head to head, you're going to have five to ten. You know, roughly, you're going to have five to ten times the difference in, in, in casualties. Makes sense. It's certainly not the other way around. The only way you can believe it's the other way around is like to appeal to some kind of absolute incompetence of the Russian military and blah blah blah. But there's no evidence for that either. I mean, no, go back and look at previous uh, articles before this happened uh, of Western media even reporting on Russia's military strength and Russia's military prowess and all that kind of stuff. They're all talking it up in order to try and fearmonger mm. uh, the West, fearmonger in the West about the threat from Russia. 
and they would, but they give fairly, in that situation, they give maybe even exaggerated, but, you know, fairly accurate representations of, of the, the ability and strength of the Russian military. And, uh, yeah, so that's why you should believe it, because it, it makes sense and it, and it maps to reality. It maps to the data you can actually yeah. put, put together, you know. Our first um, former um, Scott Ritter was the U.S. weapons inspectors mm -hmm. back at the time of the Iraq war. Scott Ritter said something to the effect that it, people are in the West are projecting the way the U.K. and the U.S. fought as standoff as possible in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's we discussed it before. It's totally different. They go in and they do what they call strategic air bombing, level as much as you can of everything, and then roll in to mop up. Mm -hmm. And and this is incorporated into that strategy. They know that that's not the end of it. They know that an insurgency will flare up. So you're in position, and whatever form it comes at, you're ready. That's actually the strategy of the LSAT. Russia is totally different. They're like, go in and try and engage, find them and draw them out into the fight. Let's let's have the fight. And the, you and me outside now, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it it's it when it's taken to its extreme, Mariupol will be the result. Mm -hmm. You will have most of the city's infrastructure destroyed because you have to go piece by piece chasing them, room by room, yeah. unit by unit. It's almost done, um, yeah. Mario Paul. But that is the kind of... He said... He gets it. He's like... He's saying, well, oh, that's just Russian... The mainstream Western consensus is that's Russian barbarism. They just blew it up like they did Aleppo or Grozny. No, he said, that's what a real war is. That's what happens. That will be the result of actually trying to go military to military. Mm -hmm. He was between the lines. He was saying that basically Western militaries are basically fags because they did everything possible strategically to avoid military to military conflict, mm -hmm. even though the military in question was the much, much smaller Iraqi one yep. and the almost non-existent Afghani one. Mm -hmm. Like, I better not say, you know, American, the Pentagon's a full of pussies but more to the point I think the political civilian leaders in the US they got this thing into their head and they never let go of it after Vietnam that you can't have body bags coming home yeah. because it turns the population against the war and it actually threatens the, the existence of the state you know they really felt it in the late 60s there was serious serious fears for the continued regime in the United States mm -hmm. at the time so they built in this calculus where, you know, minimize body bags and they start to fight the wars right? with that in mind. But it's a kind of a, it's kind of a, it's pretty simplistic um, when you think about it because the Russians in this situation, mm -hmm. I bet they're reading it all wrong. They think that there's protests erupting all over Russia and, oh, Putin's regime could fall any moment because this war is so unpopular. You know, the body bags coming home, right? Whether they use a realistic figure of 1,500 or their inflated one of 15,000, mm -hmm. at this stage in the war, quote-unquote, this shouldn't have happened to go by the American military calculus. So they're going, well, any day now, Putin's going to fall because if this had happened to us, we'd be in serious trouble. The state would be trembling. But they're totally missing it. The Russians have been psyched you can say it's propaganda or whatever, but they've been psyched by 
their reading of history, what they get on the nightly news, on the chat show hosts, uh, whatever, for the last eight years at least, probably before, about mm-hmm. Ukraine, mm-hmm. that this this is seriously bad juju. We need to do something about this. They've been clamoring for righteous war. Mm-hmm. So they support a body bag coming home isn't like, oh, my God, for them. Mm-hmm. In the whole, they support it. It would be the opposite issue, domestic issue. Mm-hmm. If you were an American, mm-hmm. so again, they're all projecting the wrong assumptions, um, and, and that's that's a key one, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you mentioned Mariupol there. Um, there's a couple of videos actually. I think one of them I sent, two of them I sent you, Scotty. You can just play them or um, MP4s, uh, either one. Um, didn't I send them to you? Yes, but there are three of them. Okay. Uh, sorry, just uh, one's called Mariupol and one's called John. So this is... Yeah, just play that. It's got some... Самого Мариуполя никто никого не выпускает. Нам просто повезло. Просто... Ну, если возле двора ставят уже орудия, то как бы это уже есть нехорошо. Военные действия ведутся в гражданских кварталах, там, где люди живут. Позиции ВСУ после отступления были в гражданских кварталах. Сидели до последнего. Просто уже вытащили ребята за шкирку и сказали, что будет очень тяжело. И лучше гражданским покинуть. Все прошло хорошо. Начиная с того, что ребята ДНРовцы провели через позиции, которые простреливались, буквально за руку, там бабушек тянули. Получается, мы, наверное, как в плену сидим в каком-то. Сидите дома, используют как живой щит. Эвакуировали российские военные. Спасибо им, потому что обстрел был. Еле выбрались. Огонь идется из жилых домов, да. Это видят в окна все люди. Там ездят танки, там ездят грады, минометы, легковых машин. По дороге у нас стреляли сзади. Лежали полтора часа, не шевелясь. Когда уже замерзли, мы побежали. Yeah, so um, that's one of them. Just, the other one is from an English guy, actually, who was in mm. Mariupol, uh, John. Um, he's played that as well, since it's on the same topic. What can you tell us about the Ukrainian army, about the uh, battalion of Azov? Did you see them? No, I didn't see anything. Of the, uh, we heard rumors, and I don't know if they're true. I can only tell you what I heard. At some point, maybe seven days ago, I can't remember, there was a rumor. Again, it could be like a rumor of the Russian soldiers being in the next basement. I have no idea. But my wife said that somebody had said the Ukraine army wanted to uh, surrender. The various militias, as of battalion and right sector and who else, I don't know, um, had opened when the had opened fire on the Ukrainian soldiers and had said that they were going to create another... Stalingrad? No. Stalingrad. If they had to give up Mariupol, there was going to be nothing left of Mariupol. The journey from Uzov to here was difficult. I will say again that all the checkpoints we went through, which were in the 20s, I'm guessing... The soldiers were always very helpful. 
I know there's a lot of blame about the growth of fascism in Ukraine. I remember when the first conflict took place, when Yanukovych was president, uh, one of the first things they did was stop Russian as a, an official language. And I found that a little strange, when half the country speaks Russian. Lots of countries have more than two or more official languages. So for me, Ukraine's got huge problems, and the language isn't one of them. Hmm. So, I mean, but again, that was this idea of we're Ukrainian, we must speak Ukraine. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Extreme, extreme nationalism uh, to, the, to the exclusion of up to 50% of your population, at least on, on language uh, and other cultural aspects. So obviously, you know, a really bad policy, ridiculous. Obviously, extreme right-wing nationalist, fascist slash neo-Nazi elements had uh, infused or insinuated themselves into positions of power, been facilitated into positions of power in the military and in, and, and in politics. And it was really bad. It was, and, it, and the whole point of that was to make it an ultra right-wing nationalist, Ukrainian neo-fascist kind of state that would be, that were all extremely, uh, you know, were, were, were all of the, those, in those leadership positions were all extremely anti-Russian and were going to direct the course of the country towards a confrontation with Russia. Um, and it was facilitated by the West, particularly the US and the Brits, um, in order to kind of contain Russia, in order to harass and hurry and hopefully ultimately regime change Russia or destroy Russia in one way or another. Um, and notice that he said that uh, the, the, those, those neo-Nazi elements were actually shooting at Ukrainian, Ukraine, Ukrainian military, yeah. regular military, those, those kind of right-wing neo-Nazi type uh, Azov and IDAR and the right sector and stuff battalions were not letting any Ukrainian military personnel decide to leave Mariupol to say, listen, this city is lost, we've got to go, even if it was to go and fight on a, a fight, fight again another day. They said, no, we're staying here, and the whole place, we're going to try and turn the place yeah. into a, a Stalingrad. We're going, to, we're going to facilitate the destruction of this place. Yeah. Uh, what, what do those people care about, the civilians or the city, that, that they're supposedly defending? Not, not, not at bit, all. Not a bit, no. Their ideology is... It's, this is where there's the, the marrying of ideology with Washington. Their ideology is to bleed Russia. Ideally, to eventually, it's dismemberment. Um, they really believe that. We heard that from the head of the, the branch of right sector, I think, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That video that was found of him. Say, he, in his deluded thinking, but he's obviously been led down that garden path, he foresaw a near future where... Russia is in five pieces, such that Ukraine is the most powerful uh, militarily and population-wise. Mm-hmm. And we have finally supremacy yeah. over the, the Muscovites, the, you know, the, the duchy of Moscow. And, and that's, a wet, that's a wet dream of Washington. That's Washington's uh, that, know, yeah. dream is for that to happen. So that, that's, that's, that ha- coming out of suppo- so-called you know, supposed like right-wingers or whatever, neo-Nazi types in Ukraine, in the Ukrainian parliament, in the Ukrainian politics, in the Ukrainian military, that's being fed to them. Those Behind, people were found yeah. in Ukraine and elevated uh-huh. because they reflected an opinion that was shared by Washington, which was the dismemberment of yeah. Russia. It's never been found. Well, it's disputed as to whether or not Madeleine Albright formally said that. Mm. There's something where she's supposed to have said in the 90s 
Siberia is too big and resource rich for one country to manage. Now right. she always disputed that, um, but I'm. We can be sure that uh, off screen, this has been said among themselves and also then to Ukrainians that they have over for powwows and training in the United States. Yeah, this vision they have for Eurasia. Right. Um, yeah. Um, this has been going on for quite a while. People need to know the context behind this and why Russia responded the way they they did. You can just throw up the uh, put up the Ukrainian shipping magazine, which is you know supposed to be a fairly impartial source. Um, the whatever one or the other um, of those two, us en.usm.media. Um, the first one is two naval bases are being built in Ukraine at once. This is from twenty twenty one. So it's reported, but when they say are being built, so they're already in progress. Um, just scroll down a little bit. U- Ukraine begins the actual construction of two naval bases in Okhakov and Berdansk. This was stated by the Minister of Defence of Ukraine during the hour of questions of the government on Friday, December 3rd. We are moving on to the practical stage of construction of two naval bases in Berdansk and Okhakov. Okakovo and other contacts within the framework of agreements with Great Britain. Um, competition from lobbyists, we're going to cut that out and just go with the UK. As USM previously reported, President Zelensky, in an interview with Minister Ben Wallace, recalled the signing of the Ukrainian-British bilateral framework agreement on official credit support for the development of capabilities of the Ukrainian fleet in the amount of $1.7 billion. Um, uh, 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 just go to the next uh, article, Scotty, of the C- on the same U- URL. So this is just linked from that one. Great Britain is our key partner. Um, again, it shows Ukrainian fleet to the amount of one point seven billion. Um, and just down below the the hyperlink. Also, the UK will replenish the Ukrainian navy with two of its ships. HMS Blythe and HMS Ramsey, which have served in the Royal Navy for 20 years in August, a farewell ceremony for these ships were carried out in the UK. So here you have UK Navy ships being donated to Ukraine to take uh, to take up residence, among port. others, in two ports. And let's go back to the map. Two ports are basically, it's if you look down the bottom, it's uh, on, on Odessa there, uh, it's the uh, Oka. Oka Okakov or whatever it is. Ochakov. Ochakov is just to the right of Odessa and the other one is just to the left of, in the Sea of, in the of, sea of Azov. Sea of Azov, uh, kind of below Melitopol there basically. It's the next so, town left of Mariupol. Right. Pajansk, yeah. So you basically had two military bases, naval bases, being built by the UK, uh, equipped with British and probably American warships, right on either side of Crimea. Yeah, by a, a government that was openly threatening to Russia and planning to take back Crimea and invade Crimea and invade and, and north of there, obviously. So, I mean, this was all bad juju. And they're British allowed to ships, have those kind of things. British companies, British ships, right. British ports, British credit line of £1.7 billion. So people, that's the response then to people. Well, you, you can't just invade a sovereign country. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I can if it's being used as a freaking like, bridgehead <laughs> right next Right, right on around me, you know. Yeah, 
And then, so what happens as a result of that? Just go to jeans.com, Scotty. Uh, as a result of that attempt, what happens is... You should have jeans.com. What happens is... And this is from 25th February, so this is right at the very beginning. Uh, over over a month ago, Russia had basically pretty much straight away decided that they were going to disable or take control of those two newly British-funded, British-equipped uh, naval bases. And that's what they did. Uh, so there you go. Thanks, yeah. thanks for your naval bases. Um, Let's go to, just on this same topic, let's go to the Twitter, Snake Island News on Twitter. Um, it's called Science Trend Yet. Just, uh, you can play that, 47 seconds. Back on the ground, Ukraine's President Petro Poroshenko tells NBC News he hopes Russia's President Vladimir Putin is paying attention. Effective coordination between F-15 F-16, which we have here, this is just mm. to demonstrate that the price if Russia using the Air Force for attacking Ukraine, the price would be very high. Countering a threat from Russia that goes beyond Ukraine. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for democracy. And thankful for the arrival of NATO jets. We mm. very much appreciate about the strong and reliable approach demonstrated by our American and NATO partners. Those partners mm. making friends in skies that are clear. At least for now. At least for, for now. For today, Hans Nichols, NBC News, Stero Konstantinov, Ukraine. So that was five years ago. And supposedly the whole thing was membership of NATO. Sounds to me very much like that Ukraine wasn't, uh, couldn't get a piece of paper between NATO and Ukraine five years ago. No, it was NATO aircraft, NATO bases. It was worse than being a member of NATO. There are, mem yeah. there are member countries of NATO at least that have refused some to have. Yeah. U.S. troops stationed there, right. Hungary. They refused to have Patriot, um, Patriot missile systems stationed there. Yeah, um, I think the I think the Baltic countries. Yeah, won't because they know that'll piss Russia at off. At least if you if you're an but actual Ukraine's member of whole NATO, mission right is piss Russia off. Yeah, at least if you're if you're uh, an actual member of NATO, you have a certain level of independence. If uh, Ukraine wasn't going to be a member of NATO in name, but uh, in practice, yes, and with no say whatsoever, which is simply going to be a, a little piece of the American empire uh, in Eastern Europe designed specifically to attack Russia. Um, let's go to the next Twitter one. You might have seen this, but it's, uh, again, Poroshenko. He's such a great guy. Chocolate, chocolate uh, king of Ukraine. Um, so this is him talking about, the, it was last week, they bombed a, a base for mercenaries, the Russians did, blew up a base where mercenaries were being staged and trained, etc. And, uh, and also Ukrainian troops. Go ahead. Für einige der deutschen Politiker. Europa, Europa ist bereits im Krieg. Russische Cruise Missiles attackieren das NATO-Übungszentrum Angegriffen, das habe ich errichtet, das ist nur 20 Kilometer von der Grenze entfernt und Putin greift. A NATO base, built by me, years ago. You remember They attacked me? it, huh? You remember me? Remember me? I built it. 20 years ago, NATO base on Ukrainian soil, but Ukraine isn't a part of NATO. It's got NATO bases all over the place. 
It's got US-funded biolabs all over the place. It's got, a, it's got a political and military structure that is virulently anti-Russian, which Washington loves all over the place. But it's got nothing to do with... It's, it's an independent country. It's just, it's just trying to defend democracy for the whole world. The fuck bullshit is just... I'm deluged with it, you know. Um, Remember uh, Fukuyama, who I mentioned a couple of shows ago, his end of history yeah. article that you know became... The reference, the go-to reference for the whole of the 1990s. Oh, the USSR has fallen, therefore all will now be liberal democracies mm-hmm. and join the West. Um, can you put up the recent thoughts from him on how the war in Ukraine is going? This is uh, AmericanPurpose.com. Don't have that one. Okay, hang on. This is where the media gets, I mean, they get their cliff notes from the great thinkers, right? So his op-ed is preparing for defeat. He writes, I'll stick my neck out and make several prognostications. Number one, Russia is heading for an outright defeat in Ukraine. Number two, the collapse of their position could be sudden and catastrophic. Um... Scroll down to number six, seven, actually. <laughs> Putin will not survive the defeat of his army. Number eight, the invasion has already done huge damage to populists all over the world. Note how they link all these things together, huh? Huge damage to populists? How has it done that? Who prior to the attack uniformly expressed sympathy for Putin. That includes, okay, Salvini, Bolsonaro, Zemmour... Le Pen, Orban, and of course Donald Trump. Oh, this guy's a bullshit artist. Number nine, the, the war to this point has been a good lesson for China. See, that speaks to their grand strategy. They thought they could put Russia in its place and then deal with China, I think. Like I think Russia, that's China the- has built up seemingly high-tech military force in the past decade, but they have no <laughs> combat experience. The miserable performance of the Russian Air Force would be likely replicated by the People's Liberation. See, this is just more... That's, just, just, that should be on CNN. You know, uh, well, I, th- I think it's. I think it speaks to point ten. Hopefully, Taiwan itself will wake up as to the need to prepare to fight as the Ukrainians have done. They really think they're moving on next any day now, because we get Russia out of the way, and then we can just deal with China. And then now, finally, we will have cemented. Liber- there'll be the end of history. Liberal democracy everywhere. He's delusional. I know it's insane. Look at number eleven. He's just, he's insane on the grand. Vision and on the details. Number 11, Turkish drones will become bestsellers. The Russians say they've downed 38 of the 39 amazing Turkish drones they have in Ukraine. A Russian defeat will make possible a new birth of freedom and get us out of our funk about the declining state of global democracy. The spirit of 89 will live on thanks to a bunch of... Ah, that guy... Come on, get him out of here. Get him out of here. He's delusional. He takes himself very seriously, as do the whole of academia in the West. So, a bit more, yeah. On on Ukraine's PR offensive, right? Mm. Uh, Mint Press News has a great expose. Um, I think we should. 
show show the link anyway. I won't go through all of it because they have a lot of examples that we've already covered about Kiev bullshitting its way through the last month. But um, we'll show the link. I want people to read it. But the essential point in it is that they did some research and found, here it is, Mint Press News, check it out, Ukraine's propaganda war, international PR firms, DC lobbyists, and CIA cutouts by Dan Cohen. So they found the basic structure. The basic structure isn't in Ukraine. It isn't led from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. It isn't led by Ukrainians. He said it's essentially 150, and, and the biggest, the lion's share are British. 150 British and American PR firms are working in sync here. Mm-hmm. There's That's an operation that deluged. was set up beforehand. This, was, this didn't just spring up no. after the fact. Yeah. You know? Well planned. Well planned uh, ahead of time. So you're not really, you, in some cases, you will hear a Zelensky statement or genuinely a Kiev sock puppet. But I'd say most of that's gone. They knocked out, they deliberately targeted the Russians. Um, facilities that the new Ukrainian PSYOPs Ukrainian were conducted broad, from. Broadcasters, yeah. The reason why it's still loud and global is because the PSYOP is conducted from the US and the UK yeah, directly. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm inundated with this bullshit from the yeah. Western media. That's what we started the show talking and about. I think they're leading like, the, the, the kudos that's given to Zelensky. He's being led by the, He's being told who you're going to talk to next. Right, of course, yeah. From, speeches are written for him. Yeah, but it's not from Ukraine. It's all from the West. Of course, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's. It, I mean, the U.S. is just following through with what they did in in in, in Syria, and before that in Iraq, where they where they fuel an insurgency. You know what I mean? And they fueling that insurgency includes not just weapons and training and all that kind of stuff, but it um, includes the propaganda uh, for that insurgency. You know, so um, in Syria, it was all about the uh, you know the the militants, the 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 SDF Syrian. Democratic forces, yeah, uh, and uh, other other groups, and even they went as far as to to rehabilitate to rehabilitate to uh, just rebranded them Al Qaeda and stuff like that, and and yeah. you know big upping basically a bunch of jihadi terrorists who were, were paid mercenaries as as freedom fighters in Syria because it served their purposes, yeah. and that people can see through that is just blows my mind. Yeah, it just it just I don't know. The that Min Press News links to this Washington Post um, op-ed. Uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Outmatched in military might. Okay, so they acknowledge reality there. <laughs> comma, Ukraine has excelled in the information war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but... Uh, there's a paragraph in it. It just blows... It, here it is. I'm not sure where exactly the article is, but I'll read it anyway. They are really excellent, they, the Ukrainians, uh, in stratcom. Media, info ops, and also psyops. Western officials say that while they cannot independently verify much of the information that Kiev puts out about the evolving battlefield situation, including casualty figures for both sides, it nonetheless represents highly effective STRATCOM. I think it's that paragraph there Mm. below the video. Uh, STRATCOM, that's a fancy word for strategic communications. I mean, it speaks, this speaks to the workaround. So, they're pretending this is all coming from Kiev. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't verify it, but we can run with the headlines and all this endless stream of nonsense because it's Kiev. But it isn't Kiev because it's an office called Kiev back in PR firms in London and Washington. Right. I mean, it's just... So, so what do they expect? And, uh, 
And they acknowledge here and there, militarily, no, they're totally outmatched. Yeah, so go back up to the title. Um, all the way up here. Uh, outmatched him. So when, when a country or a military, uh, a country's military is outmatched, seriously outmatched in an ongoing war, but they're doing quite well in the information war. Oh, they're winning it, in fact. So, so are they going to win then? What's the point in saying that? What, what's what's your point? What do you get from that? I talk a good game, but I can't do shit. So I'm going to win? Well, it comes back to something we said in other situations over the years. If the goal... It's one thing to change the facts on the ground out there. But if ultimately, your interest is in keeping the Western mind... Closed. Onside, closed. The shuttering of the... The Western mind, yeah. Then you can win at that. So that's what it's about. It's not about Ukraine at day all. Day to day, at all. It's you not can about maintain it. Yeah, Ukraine can go to hell. Ukraine can go to Russia, basically. They don't care. Don't as care. long as the outcome of this is that uh, Putin was an evil aggressor who invaded Ukraine and took it, and as long as that is what Western audiences continue to believe and that becomes a part of the historical narrative, then that's a win for Washington, but not for the Ukrainian people. But in the meantime, we'll exploit the suffering of the Ukrainian people that we are causing in order to win that geopolitical information war against Russia. Bunch of psychos. Uh, talking about psychos, we want to play this video. So this is, I mean, there's been some pretty, you know, there's lots of evidence of, mm, I mean, we, we had that video of the, of the people, and there's plenty of other videos of people coming out who actually get out of Mari- Mariupol saying that they weren't allowed to leave Mariupol, that they were being held hostage, basically, in order to try and ensure that they, more of them died uh, than, was, than was absolutely necessary. And these are the supposed defenders of Ukraine and the Ukrainian people are trying to literally kill the Ukrainian people uh, in that way or certainly don't give a damn about them. But there's, uh, there's plenty of testimony to that of people coming out of Mariupol and they're do- they've been doing that in other cities in Ukraine. And there's also this video of um, walk. Scotty, um, of Ukrainian troops. Now, I don't know if we should play it or not, but we'll play it anyway. I'm not sure, but we'll go ahead and play it. So this is Ukrainian troops with uh, who have captured some Russian troops. Вот как туда заходить, где с левой стороны? С левой стороны, где именно? Говори давай, блядь. Сука, говори. Откуда ты? Откуда, говорю? Говори, откуда? Сознание потерял. Переверни. Ну, по-моему, по-моему, 
по-моему, уже все. Пизда. Он ушел его отбрать. Ему пизда. Какой национальности? Документы есть. Что сюда приехал, блядь? Приказ пришел. Приказ пришел, Сколько я людей наличивала? В нашем полку, который приняли шестого, у нас у нас Готов уже прострелян, это бесстыдно. Сломана нога, да? Сломана нога. В багажник пришел. Офицеры есть? Офицеры есть? Привет. So that's pretty much the end of it. Uh, but that 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 is video of what the Ukrainian certain elements or of the Ukrainian military do to are doing at least in this case to Russian soldiers. And the excuse was that this is to prevent them from escaping. She shoot them in the legs to prevent them from escaping. Now. Uh, this is what they're supporting. This is what the West is supporting. I mean, the fact that that that's certainly not. It could have been something that was developed, or or, or you know, an idea that that a certain grouping of them or whatever came up with. But it's consistent with the like we were talking we were talking about throughout the show of this virulent, rabid, anti-Russian, uh, neo-Nazi type mentality within the Ukrainian military. And there's you know, that's the reality of 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 war in a certain sense. You could dismiss that as the reality of war and there's all sorts of atrocities committed by both sides, whatever. But that's not borne out by uh, the attitude of the Russian military. Like we've seen, and we've said in previous shows that the Russian military has the whole... The way they twist it in the media, that you know, the slow advance and they're taking, they're going to do it in two days or two hours or whatever and it's taken so long and it's all a miscalculation and the reason that it has gone on uh, the length it has already, which, well, first of all, it's expected to go on, like I said, the Russians clearly expected this to be a long-term uh, operation that was going to take maybe a year to to complete, um, at least in an initial, until, to a satisfactory completion. Um, but they've also been going very slowly, like we've been saying. And um, the reason they've been going very slowly is because they have studiously attempted, or made specific attempts across the board to avoid civilian casualties. And not only that, but they've also been under instructions based on you know many kind of like reports uh coming out of you know the russian military and stuff that they have been were told to treat ukrainian soldiers the rank and file ukrainian soldiers decently mm. and there's lots of videos as well of them being treated decently of them being captured and given food and sat down and they do interviews with them and ask them what the, what's going on etc do you want to make a call to a relative yeah exactly and that's they're allowed to make a phone call yeah. right and that's that's compared to that and also compared to another video uh, that came out recently of, of one guy who was like a, one of the, a, a, 
a sergeant or something in one of the neo-Nazi kind of battalions of the Ukrainian military where he called, was calling the wives yeah. of soldiers, Russian soldiers that have been killed to tell them and yeah. laugh at them and yeah. mock them. So that's the kind of, that's, that's what this, this is about. The, the Russian invasion is, if you want a microcosm of it, it's combating the mentality that you just saw in that video and the mentality of, of, the, of somebody calling a slain soldier's wife and, and mocking her and mocking his death. That's what Russia is trying to wipe from Ukraine. I'm not saying it's obviously it's not the civilians. They have no beef for the civilians. And like I just said, they've had, gone to strenuous efforts, including taking casualties themselves because of their 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 attempts to avoid civilian casualties. Um, that's the difference. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, th- this is where you can't just say, "Well, it's all war," and I I don't agree with any of it. You, you kind of are asked. If you were at all interested, you are asked to take a close look and to make a decision because there is a fundamental quality difference. There's another video where a UK commander of some sort or another boasts that, no, we don't take prisoners of war. We execute all of them after torturing them. I think the Russians also said that they found documents to the effect that um, link or demonstrate or prove, I don't know how strong it's in Russian, but or Ukrainian language even, that foreign advisors trained them specifically in their most brutal methods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So obviously there's a natural, you can't put all, the, all that on the CIA because there's a natural proclivity to want to kill Russians among mm-hmm. the most extreme elements of them. Mm-hmm. But that this was you know, harnessed over the years thanks to in cooperation with Western intelligence. Yeah. And we don't need to, you know... We don't need to be shocked or disgusted or outraged at that suggestion because we all remember Abu Ghraib. Right. When clearly the systematic torture as a matter of policy training was implemented in Iraq, in Bagram Air Base, in Guantanamo. And they showed the world that this is what they did. Oh, it's only waterboarding. Ha ha ha. Torture. You know. Yeah. So. That's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the... And of course, yeah, you can say, you know, war is ugly and terrible and terrible things happen in war and that's why you should never have war and all that kind of stuff. But, and that's true. Um, but <laughs> in, in, in terms of the wars that have been waged and the atrocities that have been carried out through, in wars over, over the centuries, uh, the way the Russian military is proceeding in Ukraine is exemplary. Of course, you can say it shouldn't be happening at all, and look what they did to Mariupol, and they're, you know. But I mean, a lot of that is disinformation, and a lot of uh, is like we've been saying, a lot of it is is twisted and distorted and presented in a light that's meant to make the Russians uh, and Putin look as bad as possible, and it ignores the fact that, generally speaking, it's the opposite of what the media says. The media says they're just killing civilians, they're killing children, they're bombing maternity hospitals, they're bom- bombing hospitals. It's all false. You know, because uh, it's presented as, as some kind of a policy. Yeah, bomb that hospital. Yeah, bomb that bomb that uh, kindergarten. Um, when it's that, it's exactly the opposite of that. You know, the, the policy clearly is to avoid bombing any or attacking any civilian uh, positions and uh, and avoiding civilian casualties as much as possible, which is pretty much unheard of in 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 wars, um, in major wars over the past well forever, really. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty hard to, to have to deal with uh, that level of disinformation yeah. and lies, you but, know? It, it, but it's the information it, it, more like we were saying. Yeah, well, once you, once you grok the the kind of the, the the more they have to do stratcom, 
and lie so egregiously and so loudly um, and so brutally and and so obviously, you know, it's exposed the day after, Ghost of Kiev, whatever, name the incident, so quickly exposed. They have to lie so much because it's directly t- t- opposite to the actual conduct of the war. Mm-hmm. They must portray this in as negative light as possible. And I don't know if that's strategized or if that's just instinctive because they hate Russia uh, and hate Putin and hate him for geostrategic reasons rather than exempt, you know, for reasons of value and valor and all that. But it probably all goes together, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was thinking the other day that Putin has framed this as the denazification of Ukraine. In another sense, he also said it's the decommunization in his speech on the 24th, just before announcing the beginning mm-hmm. of operations. He said it, he used both terms, and that can be confusing if you don't understand where he's going with it. But both apply because depending on where you look at it in history, Ukraine was both obviously pro-Nazi Germany and also was built out of communist Bolshevik uh, schemes and plans and whatnot. Um, I wonder if he conceives of it this way, but I suppose a more accurate underlying term might be it's the depolarization or the de pathologization of a country mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> for sure yeah now how far I don't know how far you can go with that you, you cannot actually <clears throat> probably eradicate all psychopaths sociopaths no but you can keep them from holding positions of power yeah and you can kill enough of them to scatter them take power and then ensure they don't come back to positions of responsibility mm-hmm. And partly why this should interest people beyond just their tangential interest in Ukraine because it's current event and it's, quote, unquote, in Europe. Oh, my God, white people. It's yeah. also because of the example it might set. I don't think Putin has any designs beyond dealing with Ukraine. But <clears throat> I think instinctively, if nothing else, those of like mind – who have ruled the roost in other countries for so long, mm-hmm. their, their kind of total hatred of Russia, their total war on Russia to the point of eliminating it culturally, of eliminating it historically and all that, speaks to this extreme f- anxiety, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Psychopaths don't really have anxiety, but I suppose it's more like a, an instinctive realization that we could be next not because Russia's coming to do this to us, but that the example it sets, even if it's 10 or 20 or 30 years down the road, an example has been set for this to be done elsewhere. Yeah. The depathologization of a country, the depolarization of a country, the removal of evil elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not just talking here. I mean, a lot of people have claimed that through history. It's it's the kind of – it's in the rhetoric of any revolutionary movement that led to the overthrow of the existing order. The existing order was always corrupt, psychopathic. They, maybe they didn't use that term, but that mm. was implied they were evil. And we, you know, standing up for the little guy are coming to, you know, right all wrongs and stuff mm. like that. So, of course, everyone claims to be the good guy. Mm-hmm. But to actually carry it out carefully, methodically, 
giving as many chances as possible for innocents to escape, to um, change their mind. Mm-hmm. Constant olive branches, constant. I have done that for the past eight years. Yeah. Eight years is a long time to give somebody lots and lots of chances and you see them proceeding along a certain path where you said, listen, don't do that because it's going to end up badly. And they said, yeah, we know it's going to end up badly, but for you. And they say, okay, well, if we can't dissuade you, then we'll just have to... We'll do just it have for to. you. Yeah. Uh, Biden said, it, uh, during the week there, Biden said that uh, sanctions were never about deterrence. You saw that, yeah? Yeah. It was, and he said, specifically, he said it was all about... Um, sanctions were never about... Never meant as a deterrent, but to maintain NATO unity. Hmm. Maintaining so that, the Western mind. Yeah. Well, it's, well, but that says that says that the simple fact of the Russian economy was a threat to NATO because maintaining NATO unity. How, if san- sanctions, so economic sanctions, are meant to were meant to maintain NATO unity. That means that uh, your so NATO unity was threatened by economy. That's why you hit them on the economy, i.e. Nord Stream. So the mere fact of Russia's economy and Russia just selling its natural resources to Europe was a threat to the NATO military alliance. Yeah. And something had to be done about them. Yeah, it comes down to business, economics. Finance. And what about Hunter Biden's laptop? That's what's going on in America. That's as much as Americans get to know about Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah, but it says a lot. I mean, you've got the crackhead son of the president. Crackhead His his laptop basically exposed his corruption in Ukraine prior to now. 10% for the big guy. That was officially censored two weeks before the election before being lifted again, details of which include not just old covering old territory where 10% for the big guy because of uh, Hunter's position on the uh, energy firm Burisma. But now, I don't know if someone's leaked this. This is further leaked. Uh, was it already in the public realm? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the National Post has a great article on it. Uh, where they actually delve into it and find where the seed money came from. Uh, put this one up, Scotty. This is um, <clears throat> exclusive. From two days ago, I think. Hunter Biden biofirm partnered with Ukrainian researchers, quote, isolating deadly pathogens using funds from Obama's Defense Department. So if you scroll down... Um, An investment firm directed by the president's son was the leading financial backer of a pandemic tracking and response firm that collaborated on identifying and isolating deadly pathogens in Ukrainian laboratories, receiving funds from the Obama administration's DOD in the process. I mean, if you couple that with what the Russians suspect... Well, they have documents showing it. I mean, I have to say suspect because most of the stuff was probably removed or destroyed just but before. They have some, yeah. They've managed to get some things, um, uh, evidence of coronavirus, gain-of-function research taking place using bats, 
in Kharkiv. Mm-hmm. Um, Swine flu. Plague, Ebola. Um, the, the subsidiary in question, oh, look at this. The investment, Rose, Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, a subsidiary of the Hunter Biden and Christopher Hines founded Rosemont Capital, counted both Biden and Hines as managing directors. Hines is the stepson of former Secretary of State and current climate czar John Kerry. Uh, yeah, well, it, tie, it ties them all to... They're all Democrats. I mean, Ukraine was just so overrun, dirty. like, you know, I mean, yeah, and they're Democrats, yeah, supposedly. Well, they're just Washington establishment elites, like, and they... The, the, the deluge of propaganda and lies from the Western media is only surpassed... Or, sorry... The deluge, the, the amount of corruption or the extent of the corruption in Washington, D.C. And, and what they've been doing in Ukraine and around the world is only surpassed by their ability to cover it up for most people. That's what's crazy about it. Yeah. There's like, the, 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 I mean, that, that stuff, I mean, if it, all of the evidence suggests that, you know, massive corruption by Biden and his son in Ukraine in basically, you know, in the aftermath of them, sta- the U.S. staging a coup in a democratically elected country or dem- the coup of a democratically elected leader government uh, by the U.S. in 2014. And then with the express purpose of getting in there, getting 10 percent or 100 percent or whatever it is for the for the big guy for themselves, filling their pockets yeah. by exploiting the country. And Just then like you, Roman proconsuls. Right. And then using the country to try and uh, move on and attack Russia and, and, and dismember Russia effectively. Pres- presumably try and seep, if not do it too overtly, try and just basically accidentally leak pathogens and create yeah. sickness. Yeah. Ho- probably not with Anything. a view to, you know, genociding all, a whole no. bunch of Russians all at once, but, but just generally seep Causing them problems, yep. We don't and mind then, leaks. Good, let it leak over the window, blow it over the border. Yeah. They're just having fun. Uh, for them, that's just fun, you know. Uh, Hunter Biden, who's disgusting. I mean, a disgusting human being, and he's the progeny of that Biden. It's disgusting, and the photos are all president. over the web, and we're all to pretend they're not on the web, right? Because they were formerly censored. I know. Um, it's bizarre, like him, that. like in his underpants, posing with a crack pipe, yeah. with hookers yeah, and dildos, and yeah. and we. How do Westerners hold their nose? Like I. I don't understand that. And, and then they go, people typically go, oh, geez, well, yeah. you know, This was the, the sob story they, they put out to kind of smear over it. Mm. Well, you know, he's a troubled guy, you know. Yeah, yeah he's, he's on the mend, though. He's been to rehab and stuff. And then, then more stuff comes out. He's still smoking crack or whatever. Yeah. And they go, gosh, well, I guess he hasn't hit rock bottom yet. Yeah. You fuck, he's a psychopath. Of some kind, yeah. Obviously, yeah. He's a shithead, right? He lives in filth because his inner is his outer. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the real inner of these people. Mm-hmm. That's Joe Biden's son because that is Joe Biden, and he's doing business with Joe Biden, yeah, yeah. And and like images of his 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 stepdaughter, basically uh, an underage girl, or his, or niece, yeah, yeah. Sorry, his his brothers, or not his brothers, his something like that, a niece, whatever, yeah. Um, you know, basically, you know bordering on or actually pedophilia and then you go back to all the videos of Joe Biden getting handsy with young girls and all that kind of stuff I mean that's what they're dealing with if you pull the curtain back and really expose the whole thing people would just they would just they would all have heart attacks they would all collapse in a, in, in a stupor basically because they've been so 
uh, manipulated and lied to and they believed so much nonsense for so long they just couldn't they can't handle the truth um, as uh, as the saying goes you know um, so it has to be covered up you you go so far into lies and delusion that there's no way back basically you can only keep going because you can't take because it's built up so much that that if you ever had a look, you you would be inundated. It would just it would just the whole thing would flood out. You know what I mean? Because one you'd pull on a string and suddenly you'd see everything, and all of your lies and illusions would come crashing down. And people people almost maybe almost instinctively intuit that, know that you know, and just double down on the lies. You know, more and more and more. But it doesn't end well. You know, um, especially when it's global in scope. You know, and those lies and manipulation and corruption is happening on a global global scale. In yeah. fairness to the British Daily Mail. They they published a. That was the National Post we just saw. I mean, that's a f- conservative but fairly fringe audience, right? Size wise, but mm-hmm. the Daily Mail in the UK did a major expose on it too. Some of there's not much they can add to that. Um, again, it's all public public information at this point. Um, I won't bother showing this one. But I thought the headline was interesting. I'll just read it out. Hunter Biden did, all caps, help secure millions in funding for a U.S. contractor in Ukraine specializing in deadly pathogen research. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's hooked in with his daddy and the DOD and the Pentagon and they're all part of it together and he was used as a funnel for it and Joe Biden wanted to be on the ground. He didn't want to be on the ground. Well, he was on the ground himself. Remember the video of him uh, talking about firing, getting the prosecutor fire, fired in Ukraine who was looking into his son's uh, dodgy dealings or the company that his son was involved with in Ukraine the prosecutor was looking into that uh, Joe Biden said told the, the, the then president of Ukraine our prime minister of Ukraine said get rid of him or you're not getting the one billion dollars so Joe Biden's on the ground directly with getting yeah. his hands dirty right. and his own son is directly in the country profiting and giving 10% to the big man back home uh, by uh, you know working grift basically for energy companies in Ukraine with via his connections to daddy Basically, and Joe Biden's getting, uh, you know, well paid for it, and 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 so is his son. And but you talk about the unveiling, like in a space of a month, biolabs in Ukraine has gone from outrageous conspiracy theory to the Daily Mail, yeah, publishing all the facts. But nobody's taking that on board. Like very few people are taking it on board. Like you said, it's like pretend it doesn't happen. Pretend Hunter Biden isn't a crackhead. Pretend yeah. a, a deviant crackhead. Pretend that Joe Biden isn't the the father of a of a deviant crackhead and probably a deviant himself. Uh, you can't. Uh, you, so so people. That's what I'm saying. When people have gone so far into delusion, they can see that stuff. Right. They can be and they can be told, and they won't risk ending the unity of NATO. No, I mean because because they won't accept it. Basically, you know, people themselves won't accept it. They won't. They won't look at it. Uh, uh, objectively and accept it, they'll just glaze over it. You or know? consider what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Consider won't. what that means with COVID. Or, or Never mind more, 2003 WMDs yeah. with COVID. Or the more extreme the biolab. Ones. Yeah, the more extreme. gain of function. Yeah, yeah, but they, they can't go there. I mean, more more extreme ones just say, well, you know, that's just a story. Who knows right. if it's true or not? Right. They'll have some way to narrativize it away. Well, that thing you that's know? attributed to Goebbels, the bigger the lie. Yeah. it's just whoa, too hard to. Yeah, we're lucky, I suppose. We've had this. In stages, mm-hmm. year after year. Yeah, yeah, we did. We've gone at once. through it all. Yeah, yeah. So, anything else? Well, the big news last week, I suppose, from the Russian side, is Putin's announcement that henceforth hostile countries, if they want 
gas from us, we'll be paying for it in rubles. Yeah, prop up our currency. And there was a freak out. People are confused. We don't know what to do. What's, um, you know, you want to, we want to buy, we have contracts to buy your oil and gas, but you want them in rubles? Well, okay, like, but the contract doesn't say that. Well, well, yeah, the, the con- what, no, contract doesn't specify rubles, so, uh, well, we'll just change it. Just change it to rubles. We don't care. I'm sure you don't mind paying in, in a different currency. Just go to your bank and have them issue you rubles uh, instead of dollars. Simple as that. Simple as, you know. That's what banks do, right? They issue currencies. They can give you, a, they give you a, an exchange, you know. Uh, Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah. Ursula bin Leyen a lot. The democratically elected leader of all of Europe. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, she has an interesting history. Not so much her personal, she's whatever. Her husband. Her husband and his family going Labs, back. research. His, um, his uh, antecedents, his ancestors were... Um, close to basically in the same family as the what was the German house Hanover mm. the electorate of Hanover that overthrew mm-hmm. with the Prince of Orange and Dutch money interests the UK crown mm. in the 7th century anyway she's got a direct line to them so van der Leyen uh, she's just like no way not happening we won't be, so we'll see who blinks either mm. Russia will blink or Europe well. Well, you can freeze. Do, is Putin just bluffing or is he like, no, rubles only? Yeah. Um, well, it's fairly done, but she won't do it on for, for an ideological reason. You know, no, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not supporting the, the Russian currency by, by paying you in rubles. He says, well, then you don't get any oil. You don't get any gas. So she was busy talking business. Interesting. There was a NATO summit mm-hmm. in Brussels this week, right? Mm-hmm. NATO, NATO, NATO. So you think, well, it's just military stuff. The big development from that was an agreement from von der Leyen and Biden White House to secure 10% of the current volume of Russian gas instead would be shipped over to Europe by year's end. Let me rephrase that. I said that in a very complex way. They're hoping to make up... So it's not 10% of the 40%. Let's say 40% of Europe's gas is Russian. Mm Mm-hmm. They're hoping that by the end of the year, um, they'll just be dependent to 30% because 10% will be shipped over as LNG. Mm-hmm. From, oh, it's great. Oh, yeah, the markets love that. The problem with that is Europe doesn't have the capacity to convert American LNG. Mm-hmm. It has to build it first. Mm-hmm. Build <laughs> they, they don't have. So it was just a kind of a fulfilled statement. Yeah. Dressed up as a hard fact <coughs> big business deal at a NATO summit, which is supposedly not about business, but it is. But even then, even when it is exposed as actually being an economic block of NATO stand, um, which is why NATO unity is important for Biden because it's an economic block, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Even then, it's only STRATCOM, strategic communications. They just issued a strategic communication to the market which won't actually take place in reality because it cannot be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're like, at what point are like, at what point do they move into a reality that is just, it's just completely fictional? Well, they already have, but well, it comes back to what you said at the start of the show. Do they really believe it? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think the way we can like, um, 
harmonize the two, the contradiction is that they don't mind saying whatever, even if it's wishful thinking. That's the kind of an ideal what they would like to achieve. They'd like to see Russia bleed. They would like to see Russia's gas replaced by US LNG. They'd mm-hmm. like to see China take a hint and not do Taiwan or whatever it is. Even if it happens and they don't get what they want, mm-hmm. the backup is something that's kind of done on a separate track, mm-hmm. namely, in Ukraine's case, flooded with weapons. Mm-hmm. So we'll get what, we may lose this war. Russia may win this war. But let's extract the maximum cost from Russia to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because? Well, we can't lose from that. We'll win something. Yeah, but they'll lose. They'll lose big time. They'll lose the. They might win a battle, but they lose well, the war. Well, Putin says this week they will lose. He said the credibility of the dollar and the euro are destroyed. Is that big fighting talk, or is that a reasonable well, conclusion to draw, even at this early stage? Well, it, it depends on whether other people continue, to, other countries continue to believe in, in the dollar, or, or believe, have faith that the U.S. won't do uh, the what they what they did to Russia, which is just. Um, on a, on a moment's notice, uh, freeze your assets, freeze your foreign, ex- foreign exchange reserves presented with Russia. Uh, so any country's assets that are abroad uh, can, on, if, you, if, you, if you displease the emperor, then we'll just freeze your assets. That can happen to anybody. Um, and, and a major country as well. Like, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, and, and that the US is willing to uh, cause chaos to anybody and everybody by engaging in such, such actions for its own interests. So, I mean, it does definitely, um, it does definitely cause, cause a trust problem, I think, and it's, it's, it's unnerved a lot of countries around the world. And you, well, you see the response to major countries like, uh, like India, India yeah. and, and, and Brazil and stuff. They're, they're not playing ball. They, I mean, they don't like that kind of behavior, you know what I mean? It's, it's aggressive behavior or it's like... Uh, they uh, they call the shots and you have to fall in line and it's like and I'm sure everybody knew that about America until now but at least on the face of it they were pleasant and and you know tried to do deals and you know etc and, and tried to find some kind of mutual uh, advantage but it, it seems that if you if you if you go in an opposite direction you say listen if you tell America no in on a serious issue it'll freeze your assets it'll 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 wage economic war immediately against you you can be turned into from a friend into a pariah overnight yeah yeah like venezuela yeah in 2019 yeah but it's 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 the because they've done it to other countries yeah venezuela iran different countries south and north korea and stuff but they're um smaller countries and also less geostrategically important countries but the fact that russia was or the us was willing to do this and and like they've said, well, it's going to have problems. It's going to cause some serious problems in terms of food shortages and energy shortages for Europe. But we think they'll be okay. Uh, it'll be some tightening of the belt and some uh, freezing in your homes, but it's okay. So when you see someone who's willing to do that to you, it's like saying, you know, you know, I'm going to impose these sanctions and they're all going to suffer. But you know, we got your back. We'll say we'll send some thoughts and prayers, and, and they'll be okay. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. When I saw for the umpteen time a Western leader say. Uh, something like this is going to hurt us, but we think it's a price everyone worth is worth it. willing to pay. I kept thinking of Madeleine Albright. The then she pops up in the news because she's dead right. <laughs> last week, and that like what she said is notorious because yeah. she's asked about the sanctions in Iraq. We think the price is worth the death of half a million Iraqi babies, right? 
Well, that's Iraqis. Fast forward a quarter century. Europeans. European. Meh, same. And even American leaders, about American people, yeah. are saying, we think the price is worth it yeah. for the hunger at home yeah. and the freezing houses next winter because of Russia. Yeah. This is like... They're mad. They've lost it. They've lost the plot, yeah. Absolutely. And, and people need to wake up very soon and, and, and figure it out that they're going to be... They're going to be in trouble, you know. Uh, they're going to be in trouble anyway. Putin also said there's one other commodity that they are demanding be paid in rubles now. Roscosmos will be paid in rubles for all ongoing space liftoff services. Mm-hmm. People, Westerners didn't realize this, but like they'd need Russian rockets to get into space, not just for the ISS. Uh, there was a major British um, satellite communication payload that was to be delivered but it was cancelled because of the outbreak of the war um it's instead been rerouted to the u.s where elon musk company is supposed supposedly taking over the contract mm-hmm. um the i've got a video here of a a soyuz that lifted off this week um let's play it there is Putin driving it? Is what? Is Putin driving it? <laughs> <coughs> it doesn't want to play. So, yeah. It doesn't play? It doesn't. Okay. You can turn the sound down. I'll just talk over. So, they... Um, yeah. So, anyone who wants uh, anything delivered, any payload, any... Space journeys will be paying Ross Cosmos also in rubles. I think it was interesting because there are two critical areas for other countries, for Western countries. Gas. Figure the Z on it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Two critical, two critical areas, what? Well, there are two, two critical areas they start with in terms of Western dependency on things they actually need from Russia. One of them is space travel. Um, or even just the delivery of payload satellites and whatnot. Right. This particular launch was a few days ago. It was, uh, I think it was for a Russian satellite. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're going to have. They're going to be relying now at this point on Elon Musk's company mm-hmm. in the US. Not just American deliveries, but also probably the European space agency as well. Although I think they can also go from like New Guinea. Yeah, something like that. Guinea Bissau. Something like that. Guinea Bissau. I don't know, somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's all to all to. It's all going to play out. We've got the rest of the year. Summertime, Northern Hemisphere. You know, things are relatively okay, although not in terms of food prices uh, and food supply. Even that probably continue to get worse over the summer because Ukraine, yeah, obviously isn't. Um, isn't supplying much in the way of wheat, and it, I think it's the fifth biggest uh, wheat producer in the world. Sunflower. Uh, uh, and sunflowers, which is sunflower oil, is uh, included in uh, a lot of products. Um, but yeah, and the sanctions, obviously, against Russian companies and all that kind of stuff. Russia produced a lot of uh, m- um, you know, uh, metals and different minerals. Uh, so it all affects the supply chain and the availability of products and will continue to do that. And um, and then going into winter, obviously, you have uh, energy prices, gas and oil, both in, you know, across the northern hemisphere. So, you know, things will progress, I think, 
steadily uh, over the next few months. People in the Northern Hemisphere won't worry too much. There'll be a lot of talk about high food prices and that kind of stuff uh, and availability of foods, uh, which will, you know, might get might get bad enough, uh, you know, in different places, spotily here and there, uh, just based on the kind of the way supply chain works and who gets what. And, and um, But Middle East, actually, uh, in the Maghreb, North Africa, uh, might be first to... to will be first to uh, feel the effects of grain shortages for sure and food shortages and then it'll spread probably to you know it'll be worse there and then like it like it was in 2011 uh, in terms of prices and availability and also in in Europe and spreading into Europe and the US uh, and as that proceeds and gets worse then you'll go into winter and there'll be a lot of people who can't afford or won't even have access to uh home heating oil and or gas because a lot of homes are heated with gas it'll either be extremely expensive or uh, or you it'll be it'll be rationed you know so uh, yeah you better enjoy enjoy things uh live it up now while you can because we're we reckon that within you know certainly by the end of this year things are going to be significantly worse than they are right now but yeah yeah we'll survive and, of course, we'll be here charting the course of things as they go, week by week, um, giving you a roundup of what's been happening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. I um, hope it wasn't too harrowing for you, but I just thought I'd uh, let people get an idea of what's really happening in Ukraine and who's really doing it. And also, um, yeah, thanks to our chatters, listeners, commenters. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and like and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show, like I just said. So until then, have a good whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.